Welcome to Generation Tech on this happy Monday, the 26th of February, as we record. I'm Todd Brinker, joined as always by my dad, Jack. How are you today? I'm doing good. Happy Monday Hi. to you. Yeah. It's my last week of, of 5 o'clock morning practices and waking up at 4 a.m., so I am uh, one, Monday, <laughs> one Monday down and a couple more practices to go. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, it's funny. It's I'm very torn between it because while getting up, and it means that my sleep patterns are not as normal and, you know, and I feel kind of disrupted and groggy, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's also kind of cool to be up early in the morning and watch the sun rise every morning and, 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 you know, be out there with your team. It just, you know, there's, it's, there's a sense of, of shared misery, I guess is probably <laughs> the best way to put it. You know, it's like, I can imagine it's liken it to boot camp, right? You know, it's like, nobody really likes what we're going through, but we're doing it together by golly, you know? Yeah. Well, mm. and, uh, and, and you're doing it for, the- it's an investment in the future races that you want to win, right? Right, exactly. It's it's there's a reason for it. Excuse me. The kids that are there swimming and and, and prepping are uh, are you know setting up their season to be successful, and yeah. Um, yeah I, so I I remember uh, as a as a young person really feeling that competition and all that kind of stuff was very important to life. I don't know if I'd have made it through high school if it hadn't been for some of those extracurricular activities that just kind of kept you going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I was agree. a good, I was a good enough student, but it was just, uh, some, well, and I think you uh, need some physical activities to, to be interspersed oh, with the, the hard mental activities of, of studying, you know? Right. And, right. and so it, it helps you strike a balance. Um, you know, I know I used to, when I was, I, was a swimmer and water polo player and played one year of volleyball in high school and then swam in water polo and then focused mostly on swim in college. But, the, but for me, it was practice time while I was focusing on what I was doing. I was also like thinking about other things that I needed to do and kind of, you know, structuring my brain to deal with these other issues, uh, while I was practicing and doing something physical. Yeah. Well, and you get a little recognition from, from those things sometimes, yeah. you know, at least that's what you strive for. Yeah. So. No, it's, it's nice to have a sense of accomplishment, you know, sure. to go out and, uh, start something and, 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 uh, see steady improvement on it. So, and the, and the, and the team spirit too, is kind of another thing that you learn, mm-hmm. uh, that you're working together with others. Uh, and yeah. You all got to pull, pull up your part of the deal and right and cooperate in order to really make yeah. it happen. Well, my freshman year in high school was the first year that my school had had a water polo team. So while we had people who were stronger swimmers and obviously upperclassmen, uh, you know, I, I got to watch that team go from, you know, Oh, and 10 the first year to making our, you know, CIF, which in California is the California interscholastic federation. It's like, it's like going to state anywhere else. And, you know, and to, to watch us go into the playoffs, you know, and, and see the, the team grow, the, the bonding and, the, and that sense of like, you know, I don't have to think about where, you know, the teammate is going to be. I've played with them enough that now I know that, you know, if a certain situation arises, I know I can throw the ball to a certain place and he'll be there, you know, mm-hmm. or I can anticipate that he's going to say, 
ooh, I can make a break, you know, on, on goal and mm-hmm. take a shot up there. So, you know, you just start to learn to anticipate each other because you kind of have played together enough yeah. uh, as a team. And I think that's, you know, that's when, when you go from being a bunch of individuals to being a team. And, uh, and, and there's something special about, you know, a team as a well-oiled machine working and everything's clicking and everybody just kind of knows and trusts each other that, yep. uh, you know, anytime a yeah. team adds new players, like, you know, I'm a fan of the Lakers. And so I watch the Lakers, you know, and, 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 and trade deadline every year, there's usually some shifts in, in team makeup and you go, well, that's great. But it's, you know, it's, it's hard to compare beginning of the season to the end of the season. Cause it's not the same guys playing sometimes. And by the way, they kind of have to start they, over and learn to play together. Right. Yeah, I, I saw a little glimpse of a game. I think maybe in a re- restaurant or something the other day. They play. They were playing the Warriors. Uh huh. Who, who won that game? Ultimately, the Warriors won that one. We beat the Warriors last time we played them, and then this time they beat us. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, I wasn't at a place where I could watch it, and then I went to get home. I forgot about it. So. Yeah. Now the Lakers are having a very mediocre season thus far. We'll see. But they were also having a mediocre season last year, and then they went to the Western Conference Finals. So, um, you know, they're uh, yeah. you know they're led by LeBron James, and and when when the push comes to shove, even at thirty nine years old, he's able to take control of games often. And yeah. uh, and so we'll see, we'll see if we have the right guys around him, uh, and uh, and if he's got enough you know juice in the tank to to get us there again, but. Yeah, uh, the Western. Well, I did watch. Is, I, is I did tough. I did watch a little of the college stuff that's going on. They're just getting starting in their, mm-hmm. their playoff kind of season where they got the top teams against the ranked teams. Yeah, a whole bunch of ranked teams are getting beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been I'm an interesting five season. One day, you know. Yeah, it's been a real interesting season in the collegiate. It's going to be talk about a uh, a March Madness that's going to be hard to pick, right? I mean, it's there's. Yeah. There's nobody who's really dominating. Uh, yeah. uh, although at the college level, it's it's funny because, you know, even the teams that that you know, if you get picked to be in the in the final sixty four for the for the March, you know, the playoffs, mm-hmm. it's it's like even the, the the that last team that got picked can have a great day and beat somebody. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's happened when one of these, you know, like. 16th ranked teams in a division go and beat a number one ranked team because there's four four divisions basically is the way they set it up and so you know you can't count on anything and you can't count on anybody being an easy game because uh at that you know it's anybody can suddenly get hot and these guys are are young and they just don't know that what they're doing is is unusual or hard you know i felt that way about my my green bay packer team this year Everybody was either uh, rookies or or second season, second year guys for the most part. Uh, certainly, yeah. all of the the receivers were. And I don't think you know as we got into the playoffs, I don't think they were nervous about it because they just didn't realize. You know, it was just. I mean, they knew it was the playoffs. They're not stupid, but it's just like oh, it was just another game for them. You know, because they had never yeah. been there. They did, you know they assume oh every year we'll get back there. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> and there's people who played their entire career on teams and never get to the playoffs. Yeah. So well. It seems that in college sports, it's the real key to the teams is the coach, uh, and and it showed itself at least in the game that I watched. Uh-huh. He uh, there's a guy named Rick Pitino. You may have heard of his name. Oh yeah, he's uh, very famous. Yeah, 
So anyway, he's at this small college, St. John, which is a Catholic school. So that that's all they're you know one sport, so they can't even field a or you know they they don't have a football team or anything else because right. it, it just could but do some one thing. But they've been big in basketball for a lot of years, right? And and they were playing Creighton, who had a much better record, uh-huh. and but Patino basically was just they, he had such a great defensive team that man yeah. he just he won the game by turnovers and uh mm-hmm. and uh you know really good plays and it was yeah. just amazing they were yeah. almost flawless well you you know you're not going to have a hard time convincing me that coaching makes a difference as a as a <laughs> coach you know <laughs> I, yeah. I think i think i have a big impact on how well things go and and how things uh, play out and i and i and i really appreciate good coaching and and coaching mistakes you know, yeah. um, the um, uh, Super Bowl this year, I felt like the the there was some poor coaching choices by the San Francisco 49ers coach. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it cost them the game, but it certainly hurt them. It, 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 it put them in a position where Patrick Mahomes could come back and win the game. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, as a coach, you, you try not to do that. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's easy to be an armchair coach, just like it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. But, uh, um, you know, there's just certain things that you, as a coach, try to do to manage the situations. And sometimes sometimes it works out, sometimes not so much. So, yeah. you know, because it still comes down to the guys playing, right? I mean, you can know what your team is good at and try to leverage that. But they still have to then go out and do it. Yep, yep. You know. Anyway, shall we get to something that's a little closer to technology? <laughs> sure, let's do that. So anyway, the, it's, it's kind of been an on and off rumor for how, I don't know how many years that all, Apple's going to do something with a the car. They called it an Apple car, and then right. they thought, well, maybe some subset of it. And all, yeah, and apparently still, it leaked out as Project Titan is what it's being called within Apple, but it's been there for, I don't know, it's been yeah. there for probably coming on a decade now. We've been talking on and off about whether it's going to be a car or something in the car or parts of a car or, you know, we don't really know. Well, but anyway, there's, there's an article here that one of the guys who worked for as an engineer for Apple uh, yeah. was caught uh, giving the goodies away to uh, to China, and so the Apple car probably will, will be manufactured in China. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, but not uh, under their but control. not by Apple, right? Yeah. Former Apple engineer pled guilty to stealing trade secrets. And he was sentenced to 120 days in jail and three years of supervised release, so probation, basically. Which, honestly, sounds like a small amount. Oh, he's also paying restitution of $146,984. Always baffles me how they come up with a number like that, too. Yeah, well, he he was uh, already on leave in, in China. And so he just didn't isn't coming back. Yeah, <laughs> he said he just said told the company he's not going to be returning. <laughs> so whatever, yeah. you know, punishment. He's not going. They're not putting them in jail. Yeah, he stayed uh, in China and joined uh, X Motors, a Chinese based startup developing automotive technology for cars. Imagine well, that. Well, son of a gun. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, wouldn't well, have anything valuable to tell him, would he? No, China, I, I'm China, sure. China, I don't think they're going to pay him for it. They I'm sure say, there okay. there are there there are indeed department probably has all kinds of reasons 
to uh, to pay him, right? The, yeah, the R&D department, he, their R&D department is some guy named uh, Zhang who, who who used to work right. for Apple. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's we we talked about it a little off offline before we even uh, started the show up today, but it's it's um, you know I don't want to put it all on China because it's going on other places too. But industrial espionage is just rampant, and of course the easiest espionage is just pay off somebody who already has access to the stuff, and people mm-hmm. of low character are are willing to you know basically yeah. screw over their employers. Uh, that also points out that you know employers need to treat their employees properly because that, that they'll be much less willing to to you know basically hang you out to dry if you're being taken care of and, and, and treated like like you're you know wanted there. So well, it's a balance. You know, you know, uh, I, I have some pretty strong feelings about uh, this, and maybe it was just because of the way I grew up, but I always felt. That if you belonged to a, a union, you were probably not much of a self-starter yourself. You didn't negotiate uh, for your wages. You mm. were unwilling to move, and all the things that says basically, you know, you got to go to work for this company that's across the street from you, you know, because you yeah. don't have a car or something. And and there's a lot of people in that situation, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so they they become just very dependent on the union. So that's that's how unions get yeah. support. But, yeah. But, well, but, but then there's also situations where unions make a lot of sense when when employers are basically taking advantage of their employees and not paying them well and and you know threatening them. <laughs> there's lots of lots of that goes on too. So yeah, you know. yeah. But then the in, then the, the the gotcha in this whole thing is the unions keep telling these members that look what happened. We got you this nice raise, and everybody out here that's not unionized is also. Uh, got a raise from their employees. Well, that's no surprise because if the companies want to compete, you know, they will raise the salaries of, of, of yeah. their employees so that they don't get unionized yeah. because you, you you lose a lot when you have a person who is just a worker and not a, a real part of the team, a thinker, a contributor. Uh, there's a lot that can be gained from a good employee. And Absolutely. I always... And I always had the, the the thing within me as I when I was working that mm-hmm. boy I'm going to be outdo anybody else you know at least into my department yeah. and and maybe yeah. beyond by contributing to what the company's mission mission is and yeah. and be really helpful and creative and all those other things and I was just absolutely total confidence that they're yeah. never going to fire me yeah you know. Yeah, well, that was always my feeling. I was I worked at a, a paper that was uh, in the process of uh, there were people trying to unionize the newspaper, and so there was a lot of conversation, obviously, amongst the workers when I was there about you know, are we going to vote yeah. for the union or not? And I said, well, you can each do what you want to do, but my feeling is is I would rather you know let my work stand for me, and I can go into my boss and make the case that hey, this is what I did, and I should be paid appropriately. Rather than let somebody else do that, I think I can represent myself better than than yeah. you know some of these other people. I also yeah. also felt like the union was making at the time. I think the minimum wage. I mean, this is years ago, so the minimum wage was like six forty five or something like that. And they were telling yeah. us that we were going to get a raise to twenty dollars an hour. And I'm going, you're not going to jump people from six to twenty, you know, 
Yeah, that right. doesn't work. I mean, mathematically, it just doesn't work. You know, it's uh, the, what's, if if you tried, we'd basically all be sitting out on the curb holding up signs because the, yeah. the company is not going to pay, you know, three times well, the amount of money. <laughs> and, and and these were the auto workers. And in my mind, I'm thinking all the time about who's winning the race for the future. If you if you really believe that the future is electric cars, that is. Uh, it's, it's Elon Musk, and he's never unionized and all, and and never will. Yeah. And he insists that they all be stockholders in the company, at least in the beginning. They right. they have to hold it for a certain length yeah. of time. So yeah, they, well, and that they, motivates you to to want to uh, maximize your profits, maximize your benefits by doing your best for the company. You know, and absolutely. That's a, and that, but that's somebody who's trying to do the right thing by treating some people right. Although I've also heard that he can be a bear to work with, much like Steve Jobs was. But oh, um, sure, sure, because he works himself forty hours a week or whatever he says. You know, you know, forty hours a week is what most people do. Oh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, <laughs> not not that number, but it was yeah. ridiculous. But yeah, uh, but you know, uh, not to be totally anti-union either. Though there are places where comp- you know, companies and, and entities that employ people do their best to not spend a dime, to not give them raises, to not, you know, they're, they're, they're busy watching dollars, you know, um, you know, there are school districts that get money from the state for raises and then don't want to give that money to their teachers, you know? And so they argue and say, well, you know, we got a 14% bump in the money for our paying for teachers, but we're only going to give you guys a 5% bump. You know, and then the, then the teacher's going, well, what are you doing with the rest of the money? How come you're not paying us? It was given to you to pay us, you know, and that's why they're unionized and why they fight back. And they, and you know, so unions serve a real purpose. Um, again, it just has to do with, you know, when you've gotten to a point where you have to have a union, you're in an, you're already in an adversarial, uh, position with your employer. I mean, you know, they got there. And I blame the employer for that because the employers, if they'd have done the right thing up front and, and showed that they cared and, and shared the, in the income and the wealth of, of the, what the company was doing and, and got the employees vested and interested in making the company successful, then you, then they wouldn't be saying, Hey, I need, we need to unionize and, and negotiate as a group because we're being treated well and fairly from the get go, you know? And of course, yep. there's always those people out there who are going to say, you could be giving them everything. They would still be saying, well, you're not giving me enough. So, you know, it's, it's, people are people. Yeah. But that word fair always kind of irks me. Yeah. Tell me what fair is. Yeah. Give me a number. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, the, the person complaining is going to say, fair is me getting more. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, but yeah, we're not going to solve the, the issues of employees and unions in this nope. brief conversation. So, but, you know, uh, I w- wish that it was that, that every company was run by altruistic, well-meaning people who, who valued their employees and did their best to make sure that everybody shared in the benefits. Um, you know, although the flip side of that is when a company is struggling, very often the employees are not willing to to share in the in the the pains of the costs. So, you know, yeah. so companies have to set aside money too to be able to weather the lean times. You know, as as right. evidenced by our recent uh, you know battles with COVID, where a lot of companies went out of business. You know, just said, well, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. So. 
By the way, if I sound a little funny, I've got a little bit of a head cold. I'm kind of getting over it now, but I feel still stuffed up. So yeah. uh, I apologize for that. So uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, Major League Baseball has cut a deal with Apple, and games are going to be playing there. You can get the MLTV subscription uh, if you pay them $150 a year or $30 a month. Then you can watch all of the games except for things that are like in your local area, which is the thing that always bothered me. Like it'll pop up on on television saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm in Southern California. Dodgers are playing. Well, I'm a Dodger fan. I'll watch a Dodger game. I go put it on and it says, sorry, you can't stream that here. Now I've got to go find it on whichever television channel it's on to watch the stupid game. And it's like, yeah, either let me stream it or don't tell me it's there. Because when I click on it, <laughs> then you tell me, sorry, tough luck. You know, most of the time I want to watch a game, it's going to be for the team that's in my area that I've, I cheer for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, Irritating. They do that with NBA, the pe- too. But but the people that uh, run the teams and on, on all of that, they want, they want both sides. They want yeah. to have the contract for the TV, and sure. then at the same time, they don't want you to watch it on TV if you live close, because right. they want you to pay the coming through the gates. You know? Right. Well, there's there's national broadcasts, which are usually available to everybody, but most teams also have a deal with a local provider to, to cover local games. Like the mm-hmm. Lakers that I, I watch in the NBA uh, are, are carried by Spectrum Sportsnet. So either you have to have, uh, uh, you have to live in an area where you can get Spectrum, which I can't even do. Where I live, I cannot get Spectrum. Or the one way you can get it streaming is through DirecTV. DirecTV has a contract with Spectrum and shares and shares it uh, that way. So, mm. so those are your two options. You know, if I were to switch to a different streaming source for for local television, then I couldn't get Laker games. Hmm. So yeah, it's it's kind of a mess right now. The the, then, the split between cable and streaming stuff is just garbage. It's just terrible. You like you like to go out to games? Um, I don't mind going to a baseball game, although I don't like going to the Dodgers games because I don't like driving all the way out to to their field and their parking's bad and it's just it's not a great stadium to go to when they play against the uh, angels in anaheim i will sometimes go there and i've been to some angels games that i like their their parking in their stadium is much nicer yeah I, the only one i've ever been to was the dodger game when they first moved to la yeah not, well maybe not first but no you went to a cincinnati reds game with me when i was a kid oh i did i did yeah we saw the reds and, play and, the Mets and, 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 in the and, rain and 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 I also went with Robbie. Oh, okay. okay. So you've been to a couple more games. games. Been, yeah. Yep. You know, baseball's fun at the park. It's not a great TV game. No. So I like I like baseball at the park. And last year I paid I think twenty bucks or something thirty bucks for the whole season, and I got their season pass, but just for audio. And that mm-hmm. I liked because then I could just on my phone stream games. So if I was mm-hmm. doing something around the house or doing yard work or something, I'd put in my earpods and I just listen to the game. And that I actually yeah. enjoyed more than sitting. I, I'm not going to sit and watch baseball. You know, I'll watch basketball and I'll watch football, but baseball is just not a very good TV game. You know. Yeah, I I received a gift as a kid for, with one of the first transistor radios that came out, uh-huh. and I ninety percent of the time that I used that radio, it was to listen to Major League Baseball. Yeah. So I, I love that. Yeah. And, somehow and baseball's it, just really good audio, and you get a good 
good guy call in the game. I mean, there's some of those guys out there that are just, you know, iconic that are great. Yeah. Well, the thing that really made it good for me is I, I Dizzy Dean was the announcer in those right. days, and yeah. he was a former great pitcher. Right. But he had a way about him. He was just real folksy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and yeah. English teachers, grammar teachers used to cringe because. <laughs> He just did, couldn't put a sentence together in, in the right yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he didn't speak good English, but but he was interesting to listen to, and that's really what yeah. radio is all about. Yeah. Remember and, when, and when Howard you, Cosell when, was the same for for yeah. boxing? Howard Cosell had a very specific <laughs> cadence, didn't he? Now, remember when when you used to live out here? We would uh, we always liked we we joke about the fact that we loved Chick Hearn calling the Laker games because he had yeah. the same he he wasn't unbiased, but he had the same bias as we did, so that was okay. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. you know, being the Laker announcer, and he did that for a long time. Um, yep. Well, yeah, and uh, and uh, there was the other guy who uh, redhead redheaded. Announcer, uh, Red. Gee, I think I thought he was an Angels broadcaster for many years. No, he started in St. Louis. I thought. I don't, I'm not sure who you're talking about. You're talking uh, about baseball. Yeah. Oh, um, Vin Scully. Vin Scully. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I loved him too. He boy, he he broadcast for fifty to sixty years, something like that. He was a long time doing that. So, yeah, no, and, Ben Scully was was a great play by play guy. He he started in in, in Brooklyn. He was sixty seven years with the Dodgers. Oh, is that what it was in nineteen fifty, and uh, and stayed with them the whole time. Oh, I said St. Louis. I meant Brooklyn. Yeah. I was a Brooklyn Dodger fan before they, they moved. He was born in the Bronx, grew yeah. up in Washington Heights section of Manhattan. Vin Scully. Yeah, no, he was, yeah, absolutely the voice of the Dodgers for a long, long time. When you thought Dodgers, that's the sound you heard in your, vo- in your head was Vin Scully yep. uh, calling the games. Yeah, he, he's an icon. But, uh, but, Time moves on, and I don't even know most of the Yeah. Well, today, you know, like, the, the, just it was like a week or two ago, the Lakers had uh, a woman who had been there um, in their, like, halftime thing. She was sort of the uh, the host of the halftime shows uh, yeah. as the color commentator because the regular color commentator was out because of a, a minor surgery thing or something. And she yeah. was, it was the first time in the history of the Lakers that they had a female – announcer for a game and she's now done a couple of but i really like her she does a good job she does a good job and and she has a pleasant voice and so um and i wish i could remember her name but uh you know good good for her you know break down some of those barriers and i thought you know and and like i said i thought she did a good job calling the game that more more importantly than anything else is you know is it somebody you can actually listen to and not go ah, well yeah, if you're not there, I mean, the whole game is the person doing the announcing. So that's right. a that's a real takes a real skill. Yeah, yeah, and it's always usually. I mean, these days, you know, it's usually a, a pair of people, if not three, 
people. So there's one person who's like the play-by-play person, and then somebody mm-hmm. else is sort of the color commentator who kind of says, you know, get, fills in information about the players and about what's going on there. And, you know, a lot of times the color commentator is a former player, and then the play-by-play mm-hmm. guy is somebody who's really trained and learned how to do that because that's a really specific excuse me, specific yeah. skill to be able to explain what's going on pretty much as it's happening live, you know, and to do it in a way that doesn't great on you. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, the ability to tell you, you know, okay, as they move left to right on your screen or, you know, or or in your head, whatever, you know, moving left to right on the field. So they're telling you their perspective, right? Yep. So anyway, yeah, I, uh, Uh. Enjoy, enjoy me some baseball. The MLB offering, the, the big news is that this year they're going to offer multi-view. So you'll be able to pick up to four games and have them on the screen simultaneously, which, I, like I said, I think we talked about a little bit last week. But uh, the multi-view is, is uh, it's nice. It's built into a lot of TVs now. And I know that uh, DirecTV has a um, uh, like sports channel you can go to. And what it does yeah. is it puts, puts up six different screens across your screen, breaks it into six sections, and then you can use your your uh, remote to highlight which one you want to listen to. And so any right. live sports that are on on the weekend, you can just pick the sports channel and then bounce between them if you want to keep track of all of it. I was thinking the other day, I think the original multi-view was golf, right? Every uh, every Everyone on the out there in the course is competing against everybody else. And so they just go yeah. from one player to another as they – Go through the whole yeah, various holes. Yeah. They often had a, a <laughs> cameraman following each each uh, uh, each pair or each trio, depending on how they were set up. Uh, yeah. Each foursome, in some cases, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and uh, the or they would have like one camera set up at a good special spot on certain holes that were like tricky holes or something, right? And yeah. so you could you could go back and sit and watch everybody as they came through hole seventeen, or what I like is that you can pick a, a uh, sometimes you can pick a, a group and follow them, and so it'll just follow that group. So if you have a favorite player, you can just watch that player if you want. So yeah, you know. mom, mom and I went to a professional golf tournament once, and it was uh-huh. the women's women's golf, uh-huh. and uh, that, I really enjoyed it at that time. Uh, we knew a lot of the women players, and they were playing in L.A. somewhere. Uh-huh. I forgot where the location was, but it was a beautiful day. We got a nice shady spot, so we didn't get sunburned. Uh-huh. And uh, and that we got the, I don't think it was the 18th hole. You couldn't get into right. that stadium. <clears throat> but anyway, it was a it's a nice thing. The only problem was we had the parks that aren't far away. Yeah, a lot of walking. Not only to watch, but also just to get to the sp- the place. Most golf yeah. courses are not set up with stadium type parking. They're not really designed to handle that number of people, and so you know right. they're often very very often country club type places. You know, the right. uh, only time I've been to a professional golf tournament was uh, in Pennsylvania at Oakmont in Pittsburgh. They were hosting the U.S. Open one year, and uh, I worked for Gannett Newspapers. And it was the first time ever that a uh, that that I don't know if it was the first time ever a sporting event or whether it was the first time ever a golf sporting event was was being uh, covered with digital cameras, and so uh, what they had was 
a Nikon F4 body, which is a film camera, and then you could take the back off, and instead of having film in it, you had this this digital sensor that plugged in, but the electronics and the batteries for the digital sensor basically hung a box off of it the size of a shoebox. So you had this <laughs> camera at the top and then this shoebox down below. So the thing must have weighed, you know, 15 pounds that they were carrying around out there, you know, plus changing oh, wow. lenses on it. But what was cool was they were able to take the pictures. We rented a uh, uh, a condo just across the street from the, the place. So the photographers would go, you know, walk across the street from the golf course to the condo, and they were able to then digitally transmit the images uh, into a server that I set up just for that purpose so that the images would then come in live, and then we could edit them digitally, and then, and then we were literally doing hourly like one sheet newspaper updates, hourly updates. Of course, this is before, <laughs> way before the internet or anything, right? And so, you know, for, for like a, a dime or something, we, they were buying these, these digital updates out on the field. So you could see who, <laughs> where everybody was standing and what, what was going on in parts of the, of the course that you weren't able to see. It, it was kind of fun to be part of that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyhow, got the uh, comments uh, by Mr. Zuckerberg. I, we talked about this one last week too. Yeah, but yeah, uh, we did that. yeah, you know, it's the baloney of you know. Yeah, we understand that that the MetaQuest Three is not the same as the Apple Vision Pro, but I think it's better hands down because it's my product. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, there are a lot of people who uh, who bought those things, yeah. and uh, you know, and it, you know, he he had to keep the price down if he was going to sell very many of them. Right. That was at least his philosophy. Yeah. Well, I think he figured so, at the time there wasn't any other things. He was pricing it against Xbox and PlayStation because his is a game device. Right. And, you know, it does yeah. some other things, but it's primarily a gaming device. The Apple Vision Pro is not primarily a gaming device. His device yeah. is a virtual reality device. The Apple Vision Pro is a mixed reality device. So they're different things, really. So it's, you know, comparing them, you know, I mean, he could very straight face say, you know, if, if I, if I put them on and, and I try to play a game with both of them, yeah, mine is the best product. Absolutely. Hands down. Because there's mm-hmm. lots of games available for it, and it's designed to play games. I'm not going to argue yep. with you. Um, you know, who knows if it's going to be the the. You know, is there is there room in the world for two different ways of putting things on your face and doing different things, or two different devices? Yeah. Probably. And being and being on version three now, I don't know if he's going to introduce a version four. He yeah. may at some point. But. Yeah. Well, version three with, with the uh, imminent release and now the, uh, the actual release of the Apple product, they had pushed uh, out the version three just recently. So it's a new model for him. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm sure, you know, if he's at three, there's nothing stopping him from going to four. And I'm sure he will look at what they're doing in the Apple product and say, well, how much of that can we do, you know, and, and not, affect our price substantially and how much of it is like, nope, can't do that because it's going to cost me too much, you know? Yep. And there's no guarantee Apple's going to end up the winner in this, in this area. So no, the world's a trade off. Be interesting to see how it all plays out. It's funny. The Mac daily news, (laughs) their comments, dude, sounds like a delusional Nokia or research in motion CEO circa 2007. (laughs) 
to put down the pipe and your cheap toys plastic hand controllers, Marky. <laughs> but you know, again, I think that that's being very snarky. But you know, if he if he's looking at them like, well, which one's the better you know game device? Because that's what his is designed to do is play games. I wouldn't argue with him. His is better. Yeah, you he's know? kind of he's kind of dropped out of the, the sort of top five or six stocks. I think the they they I don't know where they are, but uh, he's not a hot stock anymore like he used to be. Yeah, I honestly I don't know what the value of Facebook is off the top of my head either as a company. Um, I know that they have struggled somewhat when Apple started making it harder to collect information off of their iOS devices, and he screamed loudly about yeah. that. But I think they have, and I think that was probably one of their largest sources of of information about people was through their phones, and I think Apple has closed that spigot in a lot of ways. Yep. So. Yeah, we'll see. So, I mean, obviously, Facebook is not. I don't think there's any worry about an imminent demise of Facebook, but uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, you know, their their dynamic has changed. I think there's also been just finally people are starting to have a backlash about the you know you're tracking everything I do, you know that yeah. makes people uh, you know for a long time people just went yeah whatever, but I get to use it for free. But I think now a but, lot of people are kind of thinking that's a little creepy. I used it the other day when uh, my sister lost her husband and had yeah. a funeral, and they they put put those on the streaming things. But uh-huh. they had two uh, two capabilities: they had YouTube and Facebook. Uh-huh. And uh, it looked like YouTube was just on there on a regular basis for uh, weekday and, and Sunday masses. Uh-huh. But for uh, just funeral events, were over on the uh, Facebook. That was the only place I could find them, and so uh, yeah. uh, I had some difficulty in using it though because I hadn't used it in years. Yeah. And the and it, it finally dawned on me uh, after I didn't really watch it the way it was meant to be watched, uh, because uh, I could tell the bandwidth wasn't sufficient. Well, I had nine Facebook pages open on my on my browser, uh-huh. but wasn't aware of it. And, uh, you know, when I clicked some of them off more, suddenly the performance just gets so much better. The other thing you'll find is if you use uh, the Chrome browser instead of Safari browser, that your your system will slow down dramatically because it's just not very efficiently coded and it uses all kinds of resources. Yeah. I know a lot of people like Chrome, but I just stay. I just say just say no. Drives me nuts. (laughs) I look over my wife when she's working and she swears that she doesn't do this. But every time I look, she's got so many tabs open that you can't even see the icon for all the tabs. They're like an eighth of an inch wide going all the way across the screen. Oh, wow. All the tabs she has open, and she always uses Chrome because that's the the school that uh, uses things that are designed for Chrome. And so she has to use oh, Chrome as her browser for her school stuff. And uh, and so she's sitting there grading papers, and she must have 150 windows open. And I'm like, I don't know how your computer functions at all. How many does she use? I don't know. I, you know, and she says, oh, I, you know, I, I got to believe that a lot of them, she opens a window and then the next time she gets to her computer, she launches the browser and opens the same window again. And so a lot of them are probably the same stuff. Yeah. You know, over and over and over and over and over, but she never closes them, you know, Mm. and she sort of remembers what some of them are. She'll go back and click on them. And I've seen her go back in the row there and kind of click on it and go, it's over here somewhere. And she'll click on a few that she finds what she wants. (laughs) It's like, you know, you could just 
put that in a bookmark and open the page. And uh, but she doesn't understand that that's you know that having the window open is any different than having a bookmark. She just yeah. uses that like a bookmark. Basically, they just leave everything open. I'm like, oh man, no wonder when you launch your <laughs> browser, it takes five minutes before you can do anything. But yeah, but it's really hard to explain that you know you're just not using it right. <laughs> She goes, well, well as, long as, it's, as long as it's working for her, right? Right. And that's her basic premise is like it works. So I'm not going to, yeah. you know, get away from me. Don't try to tell me how to do something different. She she doesn't like when I try to tell her how to do things better on her computer or different on her computer anyway. So I just try to keep it running. Uh, better is a matter of uh, which lens you're looking through. Exactly. Yeah. It's not better if I can't just look up and click on it. You know, it's right yeah. there on that tab. I can click on it whenever I want. That's not yeah. better if you take that away. So, yeah. yeah, to each their own. I'm I'm one of those rare few people who, um, like right now, I look up and I maybe have eight or ten pay- tabs open, but mm-hmm. but before I walk away from this computer, they will all be closed. I do not leave tabs open at all, ever. Oh yeah, well I got a bunch open now. I I need to go clean them out, but yeah. I'm I don't. You know, when I'm done with this, I'll put it down. And these yeah. are all just from earlier shows, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, what I do is at the end of this show, I sit down and go through all the tabs and write a brief summary of what we talked about on the show. And that then goes into the into the upload. And so oh. – uh, but as I write about each one, I close them. So that way I know I've already covered it. And so I, I close them. But even when we're not doing, uh, if I if I'm browsing and not doing it for the show, I still close all my tabs before I close my browser. Really? Yeah, I do. I never leave tabs open ever. Huh? If it's something I'm going to go back to, well, I make a bookmark and then I go to the bookmarks. Well, well, you don't need to because uh, there's a history of history yeah, thing. Exactly. Uh, you could always go back to the history too if you need one that you were on previously, which I've used. Yeah. Now I do have a few things that I have pinned. I have three yeah. three things that I keep pinned. One is a is a resource for coaching. One of them is a link to the uh, glass dot photo page, which is where I post my photos. And then the last and then the other one, the other thing that I pin is uh, bowling this month because that's my hobby. And so I pay for a subscription to their e magazine, and I come back and read that. You know, each each time there's new mm-hmm. stuff posted, and so those three things are pinned. But everything else I close when I'm done. Yeah. In fact, I oh, have to be careful when we're talking to to not, when we're done talking about something, close the tab. Because that would be my normal means of doing things. Is when we're done talking about it, close the tab. I don't need it anymore. But because I use that information to go back and make the show notes. Summarize. Yeah. I, I want to leave them open. Uh And where, you, you have a store, place that you store it that needs show notes? Well, what I do is I keep a copy of show notes in our in a in a note file. So like I I will I will write the show notes out in the note file. I'll put the episode information at the top. Like last week was episode 62 for Feb- on, on February 21st because we recorded late last week. And then our show last week was 1 hour 27 minutes and 26 seconds long. And so hmm. uh I in the when you post a podcast, you can post like a summary uh, and notes. And so I post the summary and like last week it says Apple TV adds immersive video to the lineup in Vision OS app. Apple Vision Pro not designed for the average consumer yet. Mark Zuckerberg is lying to himself. 
Uh, MLB TV has to deal with Apple, uh, has a deal with Apple. Uh, mm-hmm. AVP, Apple Vision Pro, sells like crazy. What can you connect mm-hmm. on the USB-C port on your phone? And AVP is hard to share and designed that way. And then the last thought mm-hmm. was Apple AI is coming, but you won't see it. That that was our show notes from last week. And then I always finish it with conversations on technology and tech-adjacent subjects with two and sometimes three generations of tech nerds. Mm-hmm. So so I put that information in. I have to have a show title, and then I have to have the length of the podcast when I post it. So uh, so I create that at the after we're done broadcasting each week, and then I post it online. But I've got them going. I mean, originally, I didn't put anything in the summaries, but I had somebody point out that, you know, that it's nice to be able to look at that and see what we talked about. So I started doing that back in August. And so I've been doing it since last August. Uh, so I don't have I don't have show notes going back to the very beginning because I didn't usually cr- create them. But yeah, I just decided it's worth doing. I could also anytime we talk about something, put links to whatever it is we talked about, if if we wanted to put links in there. Yeah. And at Christmas time, we talked about different things people could buy. So I put affiliate links in there to buy stuff. And I don't know that anybody clicked on it, but I put it in there. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. Well, we, we talked from the links. I yeah. Mean, you know. Yeah. And I could, I could go back and, and copy the links if I wanted to and put those all in the show notes too. Uh, but I mean, it, the places we go are pretty regular. I mean, you know, nine to five back, Mac Daily News, um, you know. Well, and and I I grab stuff out of uh, Flipbook as well as uh, then on the side of Mac Daily News. There's a bunch of daring fireball, Apple Insider, Mac Rumors, Mac yeah. Nine to Five. You know. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that. Yeah, I was going to say the uh, Flipbook is just a um, a uh, uh, a feed a place. Yeah. But so. yeah, the, it goes. You're right. If you collect select an article, then it shows you where it came from. Yeah. And some of those are in the same other lists I read off of MDN list links. Uh-huh. So anyway, uh, I'm I'm flipping through. Uh, I'm hearing some thunder outside. Oh, you are. Yeah, it was overcast this morning, but I didn't sound didn't think it was going to rain. But I'm I can just kind of hear the low rumbling sitting here in my studio. I don't hear outside very well, and that's by design. But <laughs> but <laughs> but I I'm just I was wondering what there was like this this grumbly rumbly sound and yeah yeah anyway. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I came upon something that I don't know if we talked about or even if I posted it. Spectral, spectral blur, all one word, is a backdoor malware. Yeah. Created by a hacking group from North Korea. Yeah, they said anyway. it's very much like a previous North Korean hack that had been out yeah. there. And, uh, you know, and there, there are several people have suggested, well, you know, run a good antivirus. My, my experience is antiviruses really, really stink on computers. And gink up the machines a lot. So I would say before you do that, 
make sure that, well, first of all, be careful about what you, where you're going, which links you click on, but make sure you're running the latest version of the software. When Apple pushes out an update, install it because very often Apple fixes the operating system to block a lot of these things uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, when they push out like a, you know, um, like what on the uh, Mac OS, we are currently on uh, 14.3.1. And the difference between 14.3 and 14.3.1 was a whole bunch of little fixes to deal with things like this. I'm not saying this thing in particular, but like this. Yeah, but, you know, for the longest time, I mean, the word is, has been out that, you know, you don't really have to worry about security with your Macs. And I, and for me, at least, uh, the reason I switched to Macs was because I spent all of my time doing security uh, on the Windows thing that I had been doing because it, if you didn't use your system when you first brought it up, the first thing it was going to do before it even lets you have the computer was fix it, any bugs. And I thought, what a stupid system. You know, it's like I got to spend all my time watching Microsoft debug the thing before I can use it. And yeah. so it, it took me, a, you know, 10, 15 minutes to, to get logged in. Yeah, no, when you sit down, or the other thing that that Microsoft was famous for doing, I don't know if they still do it in current versions, you'd be in the middle of working and it would just say, oh, we're rebooting now. We got an update and you're in the middle of doing it. And so you're like, and you didn't get an option. You had like, you know, 30 seconds and then your computer was going to reboot. So save everything now because it would just reboot right in the middle of what you're doing. And that was really annoying in earlier versions of of the uh, Windows operating system. I mean, I get it. Excuse me, they wanted to be secure about stuff, but come on. Give me the option of saying, hey, let's do this tonight. You know? Yeah. But anyway, they lost me as a customer. I started buying MacBooks. Yeah. And now I've got iPads and a, a mo- yeah. one modern MacBook. Yeah. Yeah, and, no, we were talking I, about that last week. It's like, yeah, but you don't use it enough. You even forget how to use the, a Mac OS, which, you know, seemed like so intuitive when you first switched to it. But now it's like, yeah. well, I don't use it anymore. Yeah, it's uh, it's different, you know? Yeah. So I, <clears throat> I don't know. The other thing I started thinking about the other night is there's no way I'm going to transmit to your mom or you all of the stuff you need to use if, if you want to get access to my stuff, yeah, different, different passwords and stuff. Uh, it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. even sometimes myself get in. In fact, I don't think, I, I don't know when it happened, but somehow I can't get into my, uh, big account on the, on the iCloud with anything anymore. Unless they'll, uh, if, uh, I can automatically, somebody brings a new device in my house and wants to, you know, link it to my cloud uh-huh. account. They can do it, but only if I've got a device open and it'll automatically transfer something because the, the password does not work anymore. Okay, that's not your iCloud account, though. That's that's access to your Wi-Fi. No. Yes. I don't think so. Are you sure? <laughs> Yes, yeah. When you come into your house you, and somebody wants to attach to your Wi-Fi, then it'll pop up and say, do you want to share your Wi-Fi password? And you say yes. People don't come in and share your iCloud account. That's not something you share. 
if they have access to your iCloud account, then they can go and change access to all of your devices and kick you out. Never give anybody. Yeah, guess, you don't give people access right. to your iCloud account. What do you call that anyway? What? Your Wi-Fi password? You have the admin to your Wi-Fi, your router? I don't, I don't know what uh, it is you're asking. No, the one that gets uh, it's a master iCloud for uh, all of my systems. Okay, iCloud it's, it's is Apple. Apple's thing, and that is, and that is your I have, iCloud. I have an, it's your I have iCloud an account. account, right? And, and that's how you're able email. to. You like like when you go into the uh, an app store, the app store, and try to download something, it's going to ask you for the password to your iCloud account, uh, uh, or you have to authenticate with biometrics. You could also well, go to iCloud.com and log into your iCloud account. Which is the reason you don't give people access to your iCloud account because they don't even have to have an Apple device to get into it. Although today they have two-factor authentication. So if you try to log into your iCloud account on a device that is not already had it logged into, then it will pop up on your other devices and give you a six-digit code that you have to type in. And so like like if somebody logs in – if I log into my – with my iCloud account on a new device – then on my phone or on my iPad or on my Mac, it'll pop up, or in fact, on all of them, it'll pop up and say, somebody's trying to access your account on this device. You know, do you want to let them? And, and you say, you can say allow or deny. And if you say allow, then it gives you a six-digit number that you then have to type in on the other device. Yeah, and then they can go change your account password, right? Right, which is why you don't give them the six-digit number accounts or you you deny access if you don't know exactly who it is. But if you're setting up a new device you, in your house, you need to be able to do that. If you bought a new iPad or a new laptop or something like that. Well, uh, I, 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 I tried to, the last time I tried to get into it, I couldn't. Uh huh. That's all I'll say. Okay. I, well, I was going to say the last time you got into it, the last time you had to get into it is when you bought your new iPhone. Yeah. And then it would have asked you your your iCloud account information and it would have gotten into it. But yeah. we can always go offline and talk about that if you need some troubleshooting. Yeah. Well anyway, I'm Yeah. I I started thinking about this this morning while I was laying in bed. <laughs> yeah. The stuff that goes through your brain. Yeah. So um, the Space Perspective Company wants to take people almost to space. They should be called the Almost Space Perspective Company. They're basically giant weather balloons <laughs> is the, effectively yeah. what it is. They've got like a thing that looks like a Christmas tree decoration that's 16 feet across. So it's a big open be space. In this country, though, we shoot those things down now, don't we? I was going to say, yeah, if it goes drifting <laughs> over anything uh, – it could be in, in trouble. They might yeah. mistake you for a Chinese spy balloon and shoot you down. Yeah, yeah there was another one that went up over Utah this last week. Yeah. And I yeah. was wondering when I read this if that was what it was. <laughs> yeah, anyway, you know, it's – it, right. Well, they always say they don't – you know, like the, the spy balloons, they're not quite sure what they are sometimes because I didn't realize this, but apparently – 1,500 times a day across this country, people launch weather balloons for different local weather TV stations and and national weather systems. And a lot of that's how we track our weather is by these weather balloons that get launched. And, you know, they They track them. They don't have any 
flight plan requirements or anything well, like that? You can't control them. They just go up, which, you know, is a little scary when you think about all the commercial traffic that's flying around. It's like, well, how high do they go up? You know, I mean, yeah. commercial planes are flying at 35,000 feet. Do these things well, just keep on going? <laughs> well, these these guys have uh, uh, have plans to go up uh, with 12 people on board just to see the globe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this basically you go up to where you, you you can see the 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 bend in the earth, you know, cuz you're up high enough. Yeah. I guess that'll get all the flat earthers in in uh, a tizzy, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh that's quite a it sounds like kind of a luxury thing, thing that, though, too, because, you know, rockets go up with all kinds of G-forces and stuff, and these just slowly float up and then float back down. They said it's about a six-hour process. Yeah, they got uh, – but they still wanted 125000 Yeah, it was not cheap. For a flight. So – but then it, it, let's say if you held 10 – you know, you could – besides yourself and a co-pilot, you got 10 yeah. other people in there. Uh, so let's uh, – yeah, there's not a co-pilot. There's one guy. That's over a that's over a million dollars, right? Yeah. Well, what if something happens to that guy and you're left floating around? Up there? Well, apparently the whole thing is autonomous, and that he's just there in case something goes wrong. So oh. most he's he he is the backup. So if something oh, goes wrong okay. with him, presumably everything would still be fine. I see. They just have to talk him down. Eh? I guess. I mean, I guess easy to say if you know you're the one on the ground. Right. <laughs> if you're the one dangling by cords from a yeah. balloon, you know, yeah, eight miles up in the air, that could be a, a brutal landing. So, yeah, yeah, I don't I mean, know how anyway, I feel they're, about they're, that. <laughs> Their ocean landing is the planned yeah. thing, you know, that way they don't have to be specific. They just keep track track and hopefully rescue them from the water yeah yeah and they they yeah they're gonna fish it out of the water and that it basically like i said it kind of looks like a christmas ornament it's kind of round but it's got a little bit of a point on the bottom and that point Mm -hmm. is supposed to you know split the water so that it doesn't uh uh you know hit and, and splat it's gonna a little bit of a cushion. Yeah, cushion a little bit so the water's a little softer based on the shape of the thing, which I thought is interesting. So, yeah. yeah, well, they said that they're supposed to have their first flights up here before too much longer. They're already going to be selling tickets. So, you know, uh, much like the people who took the uh, cut-rate ship down to see the Titanic and it imploded, don't think I want to be the first ones on these things. No. Uh, and, no. I'm not imply- <laughs> and I'm not implying that they're cut-rate. I mean, you know, they're whatever it costs, but... Um, you know, and apparently they've got parachutes built into it too. So like if the balloon doesn't bring you back down slowly, they can cut the balloon and just use the parachutes to float down. So, I mean, you know, obviously the people engineering these things are trying to think about everything that could possibly be a problem and mitigate that. But, um, you know, it's funny flying in an airplane doesn't bother me, but I am not fond of heights and I have a feeling that this thing would really trigger my, my height problem. Because you're floating yeah. and dangling. You're kind of swinging around and dangling. And you're going really high. Well, really high. And it's got big, wide-open windows. You know, an airplane, it's got little yeah. porthole-type windows, you know? Yeah, so you can you can hide inside. You don't feel as exposed. <laughs> yeah, whereas <laughs> this makes you – I mean, this is like standing at the on the edge of a, 
of a you know high rise building that's not standing still. It's moving. <laughs> it's big windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I would enjoy this. But uh, if any anyway, of my family people- members want to do it, more power to them. Just tell me about it after because I'd probably be panicking for the whole time while they're in it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just yep. me. What can I say? Me so, too. Uh, so Apple has a thing called PQ3, and it is the most significant cryptographic security upgrade in iMessage history. The idea is, or the concern is, that a lot of cryptographic things are now becoming obsolete because quantum computers can solve the cryptographic problems. They can, they can figure out the key and solve it. And so what this is, is a way to what they call it post quantum cryptography. And so there's multiple levels to this. But the design is such that even with a quantum computer, you won't be able to crack the cryptograph. And so in addition to what used to be level one and level two, which was right now end to end encryption is level one. I'm sorry, level zero and level one. Zero obviously is no, no encryption. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's a level two, which they said that the app signal actually uses that. And that is uh, establishes a post-quantum key. But then level three would be establish the key and then ongoing uh, post-quantum Updates. cryptographic rekeying. So they're using multiple keys. And that's yeah. what iMessage is going to be doing, making it, again, the most secure... Uh, uh, messaging system available. So it's yep. interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, the uh, people say, "Well, you gotta, you gotta have something to hide if you really want to. If that's important to you, right?" Yeah. Now, what do you? Who who has things to hide? Well, criminals for one, right? If you're going to do any criminal enterprise, you which want is to why the that. police don't like the idea of cryptography at all, because they're <laughs> saying, "Well, it makes it really hard for us to gather any intel or evidence when yeah. it's all encoded, right?" But and, and in, in, in fact, I was going to say the average American doesn't even care that much about things they should be caring about. They just don't know about it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. But, you know, who also has reasons to not want people to know what's in their messages? Well, how about people who live in oppressive societies and they're dissidents and they're yes. trying to share information and their life could be in danger if they could if people can see what they're being, you know, what they're sharing in notes and how they're they're sharing information. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, a, a dissident in, in Russia was just recently, uh, I don't want to say assassinated. I, wanna, I don't want to say assassinated because there's no actual yeah. evidence, but the implications are pretty strong that he was he was assassinated. There was mo- that was a certain motivation there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but if you live in one of those societies, you know, China's like that. You yeah. know, if you start saying and doing things that the government doesn't like or asking questions even that the government doesn't like, uh, you get sent away to a camp to be re-educated, which essentially means tortured until you quit behaving that way. Yeah, I was, uh, you you know, Prager, Prager Institute. Uh I just listened to a talk by Mr. Prager that was basically saying he he does does not understand why uh, people... Uh, don't well, and, and 
I, I kind of lost my train of thought. Uh-huh. So something about Prager Institute, not understanding why people don't do something or why they tolerate that. I don't understand. But they, yeah. <laughs> uh, you didn't give me yeah. enough there to work with. No, I, I know. I, I was starting to lose my thought, and then I in trying to get it back, I right. think I erased it or something. Okay. <laughs> well, that's why I was trying to repeat back to you what I heard, hoping that would trigger it. But oh well. Yeah. But and, uh, anyway, it's uh, it's amazing uh, what people will let other people know about, especially in the financial world. Yeah. Uh, that that's not protected as well as it should be. Most of the stuff, uh, like this message thing. You're protected regardless whether you don't care about it or not. It may right. not be of any importance to anybody. Right. But it's just the idea that if, even though you're not aware of uh-huh. how important it is, that it, it it's, uh, it's good to think about the fact that yeah. uh, you no, could there's be all telling. Kind, there's all kinds of things that are just casually not protected in our life. You know, um, the folks who make the ring doorbell uh provided a quick and easy way for police officers to access videos. Well, then they found out that, you know, because without a the court documents or anything, just go, they could go to a website, put in a code, and they could access people's ring doorbell videos. And uh, and they used that a lot to, to catch some criminals. But, you know, some police also found a way to find out who's visiting their ex- ex-wives and ex-husbands and you know all kinds of things like that that are personal that they have no business doing and 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 should be illegal if it's not certainly immoral unethical Uh um you Uh know and and nobody you know thinks twice about the fact that well hey maybe that stuff should have been secured a little bit better you know um some of these video cameras that you buy uh uh that are cheap they post the the video to a website that's not encrypted or protected at all anybody can go to the website and watch your videos <laughs> you can just you can just watch videos of random people's houses and stuff you know it's like well that doesn't make me yeah. feel good you know well I, I i used to have one and it it saved it but it was actually to the vendor i bought it from i which i can't remember the name now right and when i moved from my previous place down here i just didn't put the doorbell back up right uh decided but, not know, to use you're that trusting anymore that vendor you know yeah um and that's why I like so, vendors that buy into things like Apple's uh, HomeKit functionality because then it's all encrypted, it's stored encrypted, um, you know. And so you you know if you're gonna, I don't have to trust multiple vendors. I just trust that Apple's going to make sure and do what they say they're going to do, you know. Yeah. Um, but you'll also notice that Apple will say what they're going to do, but then they won't say what they're what they're told they're not allowed to say, you know. Right. Uh, you know if there's right. if, if somebody comes to them with a court order and says. You know, you have to give us this information, and you're not allowed to tell anybody that we asked for it. Then they can't say anything. In fact, it wasn't that long ago that there was a, uh, a senator that kind of came out and made public the fact that Apple and Google had been forced to turn over some people's personal information. And, of course, once he made it public, that Apple went and said, yep, we weren't allowed to say anything about it. But, yes, they made us they made us do this, so just so you're aware, you know. But that's yeah. why Apple, when they try to design a lot of their stuff, set it up so that they can't get to it either. Because then yeah. they can't be forced to do it. They're going like, well, it's not designed that way. We can't We can't just go show you that. You know, yeah. because you think about it, you know, we, we talk about our country as a free country. But there's still, you know, people within this country who want to use 
access to our information for various reasons, some of them well-meaning and some of them not. Um, but but at least we have some protections and some ability to say things and, and, and some ability to rebut. But a large chunk of the world doesn't, you know? I mean, lots yeah. of lots of people in the world, in fact, I would say the majority of people in the world live in places where, you know, if you say something about the government, you're taking your life into your hands. That's true. You know, and here we call our government leaders all kinds of nasty names. And, and, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily a good thing, but, but we also have the right to be critical of them without calling them names. Uh, that's, you know, and you just can't do that everywhere. Yeah. Or you can't threaten people's lives, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just a verbally. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, we have laws against threatening people's lives for doing things, but, uh, you know, I mean, you can listen to some political speech and they go right up against that one sometimes. Uh, yeah. You know, in fact, that's been one of the knocks about Trump is his choice of words have sounded like he's he's encouraging his followers to to do people harm. You know, whether he actually yeah. came out and said it or not, you look at the you look at the actual transcript of the words. It's not quite what he said. But if you look at the way he said some stuff, he's he's pushed right up against that. But. Even him or anybody else, you know, I mean, it, we do have laws that, that are bigger than the person, you know, yeah. and that's the thing. You live in somewhere, someplace like Russia. There aren't any laws that are bigger than Putin. Nope. You know, if Putin wants to do something. He's going to do it. And there's literally nothing anybody can do to stop him in Russia, you know, short mm-hmm. of overthrowing him as the leader of the government. Yep. And and same thing with Xi in China. You know, he he can do whatever he wants and he can apply the laws when he wants to and not apply the laws when he doesn't want to or change the laws. If he doesn't like what the law is doing, if he decides he wants to do something, that breaks the law, he just changes the law. You know, our country doesn't work that way and it's messy and it has all kinds of problems and it's certainly not perfect. But at least we don't have, you know, a despot just saying this is it. This is how it's going to be. And the rest of you can suck it. <laughs> Yeah. So, anyway, here in my stuffy noseness, I feel like my nose is getting stuffier and my voice is sounding weirder as we go along. So, um, I do want to talk about the thing you you actually posted it, but I watched it live. A company called Intuitive okay. Machines landed a a uh, lander, about a fourteen foot tall lander, on the moon. On the twenty second of February. On the twenty second of February, the first time a U.S. Uh, launched rocket led to a landing on the moon. It was not a manned mission; it was an unmanned mission. And after it landed, there was some concern because they weren't getting the radio signal they thought they should get. A little bit later, they determined that their lander basically either landed wrong or had or something broke, but it fell over, so it's on its side. But it's still they're still able to communicate with it, and most of the uh, experiments and and measurements that the lander was supposed to take are going to be able to d- be done even with it laying on its side. So there's not a problem with that. It's interesting because it is the first time that a privately funded uh, device has been landed on the moon as well. So it was yeah. uh, uh, obviously done in 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 coordination with NASA, and it went up on a SpaceX rocket. 
but the the lander itself was designed by uh, intuitive machines, and it touched down near the lunar south pole. So, they call it Odyssey. Yeah. Adus- no, maybe that's not it. Is, is that uh, Od- Od- Oh, Odysseus. Odysseus. Yeah. Odysseus. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't wasn't careful in reading. Yeah. Odysseus is the king of Ithaca and central figure in the Odyssey, uh, written by Homer. It's Greek mythology, renowned for his cunning and resourcefulness. In Roman, his name was Ulysses. Uh-huh. Odysseus and Ulysses is the same dude. But, uh, yeah, no private spacecraft had ever soft landed on the moon before. Uh, about a month ago, there was one that was going up that was supposed to be first, but they had problems and it ended up not even getting to the moon and burned up in the Earth's atmosphere, falling back to Earth. So, uh, no it, soft landing there. No, no, <laughs> not at all. But yeah, it was kind of cool. Um, oh, they've showed a picture of it kind of laying sideways. So, uh, uh, oh no, this is a picture of it from orbit before it landed. What was interesting, too, and I haven't seen any video of it yet. We'll see if any of it uh, comes out. They had worked out a thing where they would shoot out a camera on a rope, basically, and then be able to take a picture back of the lander as it was landing. So we should be able to get video of what went wrong or why it landed crooked, whether it was a structural uh, failure in one of the legs or if they hit a big just a rock. Or yeah, or they hit exactly. They hit a rock, which begs the question: Why do you design something fourteen foot tall with six legs, and not design something that it doesn't matter what direction it's in that it self corrects? You know, like, everything that lands on a planet should be round. Well, it might get a dent in it then, you know, and and not uh, be, you know. Yeah, I don't see. Know. These legs are going to take some take up the uh, shock as it comes down. <laughs> That was the thought, but apparently it didn't take up enough shock. So yeah, it'll be maybe one of them broke. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that's the case. If when they when they finally you know are able to gather, or if they're able to gather any information about it to figure out what happened, why it didn't stay upright uh, yeah. as it landed. But you know, seems to me like there was the one um, one of our rovers launched in a basically what was a big ball surrounded by air sacs. And then it opened up and it self-righted itself when it was around still, you know. And that seems to me like the better design for something landing so far away that has to be completely autonomous because of the delay between we can even communicate with it. That you should create something, you know, it's like when you're engineering it, engineer something that it doesn't matter which direction is up and let it figure that out when it gets there. Let it self-correct. Yeah. I'm looking at another picture down below on this article. It says there's an astronomer has a looking through his telescope, and, and he was taking a video, and the starship ex, uh, came it exploded into the view, and so it's kind of stunning to watch. It. I guess it was when the, when it actually launched, but it was way out somewhere where you wouldn't expect to see it. Uh-huh. He just happened to catch it, you know. Probably, probably very low probability of ever happening, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, dumb luck sometimes is better than planning, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, Anything, I was trying uh, to say. Uh, 
Let's Spicy. see. Odysseus Craft is set to be switched off tomorrow after it tipped over on touchdown. So, I don't know. Apparently, they weren't able to do very much with it flipped over on its side if they're shutting it off the next day. Yeah. But as we talked about before, Prior to even in a, in a perfect landing, it would have only been powered up for about ten days, because of where it is on the moon, uh, is that its day lasts basically a month, as or twenty eight days, as the moon goes around the Earth, and it would go into darkness, and it didn't have enough, uh, it wasn't designed to handle the cold of the moon in darkness, and so it was not going to last. It was not a long term thing from the get go. Yeah, which but, seems uh, kind of odd. Normally, you put something up that far, you go to that trouble, get something that far away, and for just a short period of time. Just, yeah, it seems like uh, that was pretty limited payback, even in the best of. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm surprised too, but perhaps when they looked at it, they said, well, we can get it there and we can use it for 10 days. If we want to make it longer than that, then we have to deal with heating systems and battery systems and make it heavier and more complex. And, and maybe they just Costs said, you know, we, going up. right. And they just said, you know, we can, we can afford this much. We can't afford that much. So you have to make trade offs, you know, I mean, that, you know, right. that you're an engineer. That's what engineers do is you, you say, well, That's- you know, here, here's Rose our options. Given, given an unlimited time frame and an unlimited budget, you can do anything. But those aren't usually the parameters you're given. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a thing that we do all the time when we look at new technology coming out. You know, like the uh, uh, space computer, uh-huh. Apple. Uh, yeah, the Apple Vision Pro. It, it, and, and when it come up. It, to the one little con that says thirty five hundred dollars is all you got to fork out. Said, yeah, well, gee whiz, uh, that, that, that kind of took took the air out of everything. It did, else. did. Yeah, that's a pretty big con. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I I don't have thirty five hundred dollars of of uh, expendable cash that uh, I can throw away for something that I really don't see a benefit to me right now. You know, it might mm-hmm. be there. I just don't see it yet. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's the thing with that. I mean, it's it'll be interesting to watch over the next few months what sort of shakes out with that. Is everybody going to go, wow, this is the greatest way ever to watch television? Or is or is somebody going to come forward and say, oh, I can do this thing that I could never do with a regular with a with a flat screen, you know, iPad or laptop or phone. There's this thing that I can do here that I can't do anywhere else. This is that this is amazing, you know, and, and what is that thing going to be? Yeah, I don't know. You know, we because remember we, we talked about it when the first PCs came out. The big thing was spreadsheets. That was huge. Right. You know, right. Lotus right. one, two, three, and then Excel. The ability to 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 calculate big numbers. I mean, just it completely changed the way accounting worked. I remember with early PCs at the newspaper that I worked at, the um, the uh, chief financial officer literally had on his desk. A spreadsheet, a manual spreadsheet. The thing was three feet high and two feet wide, and it was a book. And he kept the books in that. That's how he kept the books for the company. And his number two guy had gotten a, spread, uh, a, a an IBM computer, and he had uh, Lotus 123 on it, and he duplicated that spreadsheet there. But the the boss 
kept his actual spreadsheet. So they would print out the spreadsheet and then he would compare it to what he calculated on the on the manual spreadsheet to verify that it was right. And I don't know what yeah. at what point did he finally say, okay, that's been right every time. I guess we'll just stick with it. Or it caught errors that I didn't. You know, I don't know. Yep. But but I understand that you don't give up something that works just because the guy says there's something better. You got to prove it. Uh, right. But I, I I was surprised. You know, I was like literally the first time I'd ever seen a guy with an actual manual spreadsheet book that was ginormous. I mean, it wasn't that thick, but it was like I said, three foot high by two foot wide, and and it was his spreadsheet. That's where he kept the books for the company. You know. That was the general ledger. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. I don't know what they did to, sh- to if they had to share it with somebody. I guess they took pictures of it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. He'd take it out and lay it down on a copy machine and then try to fax it to somebody or something. I don't know how he did it. Speaking but, about all this space, I came up on a headline here. It says, Navajo yeah. Nation objects to private moon mission placing human remains on the lunar surface. That's their sacred space. <laughs> yeah, they said. Yeah, they said that the the moon was a sacred uh, part of their religion, and yeah. I had read that too. I also read recently that um, uh, because of a new law passed, that basically all of the Native American um, uh, stuff that was on display in museums had to be taken yeah. down because they now have to go back to the tribes that that stuff was taken from and ask permission to display it. You know, because some of it was, you know, grave robbing, and and you know the, the 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 descendants of those people are still around, and they're going like, well, you know, that's my grandpa's brain or or, or skeleton there. Uh, you know, I, I don't want that in a museum. Let me go put it back in the back where you took it. You know, <laughs> so yeah. I you kind know, of, you, I kind you of understand at, that, and I kind of say, but but you know, it's it's important that the broader public also understand the history of 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 you know, the, the native peoples. So yeah, I don't know. At, at some place, you know, you, you run into archaeology uh, in a big way because a lot of what they've learned in the past has to do with not just the remains of, you know, tools and that kind of stuff, but also largely bones and, yeah, you know, yeah. other members. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're in Europe. They're still finding, you know, bits and pieces in caves of. In fact, just recently, they said they found another um, uh, version of human beings from from uh, a past time. They're not they're not modern humans, but they're also not Neanderthal. So there's like another thread that may or might may not have you know helped make us who we are, but. You know, it's like, well, we found these parts and pieces. So what do you, what do you say? You know, you're going to, people in the area are going to go, well, like, well, you know, that's, that's sacred space to us. So you can't study those. I don't know. Yeah. You know, um, I guess as a society, we have to make a decision as to what's the value and where, you know, and, 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 you know, what we want to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I, I. If we lived in one of those societies like like Russia or China, there'd be one guy who'd say, "This is what we're going to do," but yeah. uh, but we don't. So so again, you know, 
democracy, uh, our republic is is a messy place. Decisions are made by the group um, or by the group's designates, right? So that would be your right. your your uh, representative, your representatives in, in your state and local uh, governments and your federal government, and and too often I think the decisions are also made by judges. Which is not their job. I think the judges, anytime the a judge gets asked to make a decision on something like that, they should say, not my job. Take it to the legislature, you know, force the legislature to do their job. You know, I, I don't make laws. I'm a judge. I tell you whether it is or isn't legal. If there's no law covering it, take it somewhere else, not to me. But too how, many how the, too many judges how, are willing to, to immediately jump in and, and, and offer opinions that become law and do what isn't their job. Does the federal government have just a constitution that is the basis for every decision? So the federal government has the rights that were delineated in the constitution. Any other rights then are given to the states. And so that's the way it's written. And so there are specific laws that have been delineated to the federal government. And then from that, all of the federal laws were written. And the job, uh, one of the jobs of the Supreme Court was to say, yes, that is in alignment with, with rights that you were given as a federal government in the, in the Constitution, or no, that was not. Uh, a, a right that you were given within the Constitution, where that has been most recently, or not most recently, but very recently been tested with multiple presidents now, the last couple presidents, has been presidents trying to do things uh, out, outside written laws, but by presidential edict. Um, yeah. You know, and and uh, and this is not a Democrat or Republican thing. We've just had presidents on both sides of the aisle deciding that, like, you know, the federal government isn't moving fast enough. The Congress won't get off their butt and I want something done. So I'm just going to pronounce that it's going to be done. And then the, uh, somebody complains and it ends up going to the, um, court, uh, to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court in some cases has said, no, you've way outstepped your bounds. That's a legislative duty and you can't do that as the executive. And in some cases they've said, okay, fine, you can do that. You know, and that's their job. They should be making those calls. You know, they should say this is or isn't constitutional. What they shouldn't be doing is uh, making decisions about what is now law. You know, setting precedent is is basically uh, them legislating from the bench. And that's, you yeah. know, I mean, they, they taught us as kids, you know, the separation of powers, right? That's not one of their powers. And so when they do that, then that's the that's when the executive and the legislature are supposed to come back and write laws saying, no, 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 this is what the law now says. You can't do that. You know, the, the real mess and one of the things that the current Supreme Court is trying to go back is there's there's been laziness in the uh, legislature so that they write things so generally right. that the executive basically gets the uh, – option of deciding what's in the the gap, you know? The balance of power has been pushing things towards the executive for quite a while. And, and, you know, the, the reason is because there's frustration with the lack of getting things done within the legislative branch. But I think that that was by design. I think that the founders intended that the legislative branch be much slower at moving things because you don't want laws changing at the drop of a hat. And so uh, they they slowed the process down by making it a you know a a requirement that you convince lots of people that we have to make changes, and 
We have not proven to be particularly good at that as a a people. Um, Well, especially the one of making amendments to the Constitution. I mean, that's really difficult. Right. But that also was very intentional. It was like, no, we don't want our basic premise, our our reasons for for existing as a separate country to be changed on a whim. You know, I look at the state of California and our Constitution has been amended over 200 times. And I go that, that that doesn't seem right to me. You don't you don't have any compass when your when your compass is constantly being redefined. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah i I think you live with the the messiness, but you've got to you've got to hold each specific piece of government to what their job is. You know, and uh, yeah. we as a public have done a poor job holding our legislators to actually legislating. They mostly spend their time politicking to get reelected rather than actually legislating, it seems. How about 99.9%? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I like the way the Catholic Church does it. It's like we lock you in the building and we quit sending in food at some point until you give us the right color smoke. You know, you make yeah. a decision. Uh-huh. I, I don't care what the decision is at this point. Just make a decision or we quit feeding you. You know, and, and, and I think that would, yeah, that should be a, a, a an amendment to the Constitution. It's like, yeah, we'll uh, we will. It's like the you know the we'll send in the Marines and just say they're going to keep you in there until you pick pick a pick a side. I don't care what it is yeah. anymore. You know, I can yeah. disagree with what your choices are, but when you don't make a choice, then there's not even anything to disagree with. You guys just aren't doing your jobs. Well, the one I was just reading the paper this morning was the budget was supposed to be in uh, to the from the president to the Congress, uh, his budget by early February. Right. And it's still not in. And just about every president in the that, that we've known recently uh, hasn't been on time either. Right. You know. Well, and the thing is, is him turning in a budget while required by law is there's there's no consequences and then they then the then the you know the the legislature is the one that actually holds the purse ring so it's their budget anyway it doesn't matter what the president turns in they haven't been able to agree on a budget you know i mean just so, simple yeah. simple things like let's pay our bills yeah yeah it's yeah. frustrating it's messy yep as they say yep it is a messy, messy place. Um, I don't know that we have a whole lot else to talk about. We've talked about I lots don't. of stuff that aren't very isn't very techy, but <laughs> <laughs> tacky maybe. Yeah, definitely tacky, <laughs> not techy, right? So um, let's see how long have we been going here. I'll see if I can check our recordings. Almost two o'clock, huh? Yeah. No, that's one o'clock. Long enough, I think. Yeah. So um, why don't we call it a day? Let me go ahead and wrap it up. You got anything else you want to bring up? No, I can't think of it. All right. Well, then let's cue the music and call it a day. Thank you very much for joining us here on Generation Tech. We'll be back again next week. I'm Todd Brinker. We'll talk to you later. I'm Jack. Bye-bye. Bye.